Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today is a Discipleship Sunday. This is a rare opportunity, a historic moment, and we're going to be looking at the series we've been doing. So we've been doing a series, A City on a Hill. We've been looking through Matthew 5, 14 to 16. We've been looking at that God came in the flesh. That's the Christmas story we've been through. The, the prophet said that he would be the light, that people would see a great light. When he comes, he says, you are the light of the world. He passes on a mission to, ev- to everyone that follows him. And he says that you don't position the light in your house under a basket. You put it on a lampstand so it illuminates the room so that everyone in the room can see. He said, so it should be with you that you let your light shine that others may see and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about discipleship. I want to talk about our values as a church. But before we do that, one of the things that Jamelia highlighted was about the source, being plugged into the source. And so one of the ways that happens really is through discipleship. I want to talk today about habits for habitation. I want to talk about habits for habitation. Building habits in our life that make the space habitable for the Holy Spirit. So the gospel message is that God became flesh and blood, lived among us, died on a cross for our sin, that we could be forgiven of our sin, reconciled to God, have relationship with God. And then as he died on the cross in Jerusalem, in the temple, the veil was torn from top to the bottom. Now behind the veil was the Holy of Holies, where the Holy Spirit's presence was. The Israelites took this so seriously that the person who would go in there once a year would have a rope tied to their leg and they would carry a bell on them so that they could listen through the curtain and hear the person was still moving around. If the person dropped dead because of their sin, they would just pull them out by a rope. No one else would go in there, just that one guy. And if he wasn't right before God, he would spend the whole day and evening before that day listing out and and doing the various offerings he needed to do to be right with God before he'd go into that place. When Jesus dies on the cross, this veil is torn from top to bottom. And it's not a veil like our clothes or like this. It's like about this thick and it's like about 15 foot high. So if you fired a bullet at it, it might not go all the way through. Like it would be hard to break this veil. And it tears from the top to the bottom when Jesus dies on the cross. God is saying, no longer am I staying inside this place. I'm breaking out of this. I want to live within you that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about us being temples of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about you as an individual have capacity for the fullness of God within you, but actually each one of us, the Holy Spirit dwells within, but when we come together, so the you is plural. So it's not so much about the idea that people have where they get this like gassed up idea that the Holy Spirit lives within me and I'm the temple. No, it's we are the temple. And we talk about that as a church locally, but on a universal scale that in his people, he dwells in the fullness. So it's not just about a gassed up individual thing. But then there is a passage I want to go to today, which is in Psalm 22, verse 3. And it's a really, I'm not even going to bother looking at the context of the psalm. The psalm is great. There's the gospel message in there and there's lots of wonderful things in there. One of David's psalms prophesying the future. But this one verse stands out like a sore thumb because in Hebrew, it doesn't actually rhyme. The whole psalm is written so beautifully 
But this one verse, David was like, I can't get this bar to fit. Who cares? It's going in because it's important. So he puts it in there. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now, in other translations, you may have heard this statement if you've been in church for too long or long enough, whichever way you want to look at it. You'll have heard, he inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in the praises of people. Here it says in the ESV, pretty much the most accurate English translation available, yet you are wholly enthroned on the praise of Israel. Now, I've got to be honest, there was something in me that really much prefers he inhabits the praises of his people. I much prefer that. And so because I preferred that, I started to have a bit of a beef with this one. So I thought, let me go grab Robert Atler's um, translation of the Hebrew Bible. This guy is a G, you've probably never heard of him, but he's the only man in human history to translate the whole Hebrew Bible on his own. He's the only person in Hebrew history, in, in the history of mankind, to translate the whole Hebrew Bible and introduce his own commentary on it. So no one else has done that in human history. So I go straight to his Bible, read down, and I'm like, it's enthroned, and I'm fuming with Robert. And then I go to his notes thinking, come on, you've got to elaborate here. You've got to, you've got to paint a picture on this. And he just goes, the only thing he wants to say is, it doesn't rhyme. That's what he put in the notes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So for David, this was critically important. It didn't rhyme. It didn't fit. It wasn't eloquent, but it was something he wanted to say. And I started to think, actually, well, what does this more say about me? And what does this more say about society? I want to ask you a quick question today in church. Which one do you prefer? He inhabits the praises of his people or he is enthroned on the praise of people. This is preference. Don't worry. There's no guilt. Guilt-free, graceful church. Guilt-free, graceful. The last one. Which one? Inhabited? Yeah. Inhabits. Anyone for enthroned? Me. You're an, you're an enthroned? Yeah. One, two. Yeah, my guy. All right. Cool. Oh, we got three. Everyone else is with inhabits. You know what? I'm with inhabits. And, and, and you three of your hands up for enthroned are going to be a bit gassed and righteous today while the rest of us are going to have to grovel. I started to think about what is wrong with me? Why am I fighting this? Why am I kicking back on this? And I started to realize I really love the idea of God inhabiting a space with me. I don't like him being on the throne in the space with me. And it started to really convict my heart and my spirit because I started to realize I don't like the idea of you being on the throne in my life. I love Jesus on the cross, but I don't like him ascended to the throne. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you like it for different reasons. Maybe you just like it for the romanticized idea of him just being there. But the great news is about yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of your people Israel, is if he's enthroned, then it's the palace. And if it's the palace, it's his home. And if it's his home, it's where he dwells. And if it's where he dwells, but it's where he dwells as king. Jesus doesn't want to dwell in your life. He wants to dwell in your life as king. And so discipleship becomes an important part because otherwise what we get left with is what is really popular today is a load of flashing lights, a load of smoke machines dry ice and an experience that excites you and opens you up to like loads of emotional feelings that are really good and that was your encounter with God. Well, what happens when the smoke machine doesn't work on a Sunday morning? You're screwed. We want to have an experience that's emotional of him. We want to have the entertainment factor of him but actually what Jesus wants is he wants to be enthroned on, his pay, on the praise of his people Israel. Well, what does Israel mean? Israel means one who struggles with God. So someone who struggles with God it's not the niceness of it. It's not in the easiness of it. It's fighting against God. That name came because Jacob wouldn't let go of the angel and the angel dislocated his hip and he walked different the rest of his life. And God said, you have won with man and with God. You have wrestled with man and God. How did he win with God? God don't walk away with no limp. The angel don't walk away with no limp. Only Jacob walks away with a limp. But yet he won. 
He won because he wrestled with God and he got life changed. He wouldn't live the same anymore. He wouldn't be the same anymore. You're not Jacob, the man who wrestles with men and steals from them, robs them and cons them anymore. You're not the con man. You're not Del Boy. You're Israel, one who struggles with God through your problem, through your pain and comes out as something else. So God called his people by name as those who struggle with him. So I guess what I want to encourage today is I want to encourage us to get a daily discipline of struggling with God. Like if your time with God is always you come out of it smelling like roses and feeling great, I don't think you've been with him. Isaiah sees the Lord, he falls to the ground as if dead. John on the Isle of Patmos gets revelation and it's as if he's dead. This dread comes upon him because he realises the unholiness within him. But here it's like you've struggled with it, but as you've struggled with it, you've come out of the struggle and you start praising God and that's where he takes up residence. He lives and he's enthroned. So here's what I want to do. I want to throw out a challenge for each one of us. So you either need notes on your phone or you need... One of the City Hill notebooks, if you've got yours with you, if you want to grab one from the table, there's a few there. Um, and start writing a few things down. We're going to, before we get into like our values as a church and the real um, crux of it, there's got to be some disciplines that we put in. So the first challenge is, I want you to pick a length of time. This is going to be your time with God. So listen, don't be the gas Christian who goes, I'm going to spend an hour a day with God and then you struggle to fill that hour and then you can't keep it up for seven days. So like people will do that and they'll go in hard and then they'll struggle. If you want to pick 10 minutes, pick 10 minutes. You want to pick five, pick five. Whatever you want to do, just pick a period of time. Just a period. Pick the length. Once you've picked that length of time, I'm going to keep saying 10 minutes as if it is 10 minutes. But whatever you've picked is down to you. You've picked your period of time. You need to pick a time of day. Now, if life goes wrong and things go crazy and you end up catching it up later on in the day, that's cool, whatever that happens. But you set aside this time. This is the time of day that I'm going to have that 10 minutes. If it's going to be in your lunch break, it's your lunch break. If it's going to be at the end of your day before you go to bed, it's the end of your day. If it's going to be, I'm going to be one of those Christians, like one of my mentors um, in Sweden, who, who, who he, he, I remember staying at his house straight out of Bible college. And he came into my room and started kicking the bed. Like, why are you up at five in the morning praying to the Lord? Like, one of those guys. If you're one of those, that's cool. I just looked at him and was like, rolled over me. I'm staying in bed. What are you doing? Um, I, I'm not that guy but if that's you great be that guy pick a length of time pick a time of day and now make that daily seven days but now that here's the, here's the next bit this is where you have to write some other notes and things like that because I'm going to say to you change the expression each day don't just pick the thing you always do don't just pick the thing you're always comfortable with so I'm going to throw out a few different expressions the first one I want us to write down is reflection and repentance because everyone wants to have just the prayer time or just reading of a Bible scripture and then moving on with the day and thinking everything's cool. Reflection. When I say reflection, Jesus told a story. He told a story of a guy with a plank of wood in his eye and another guy with a speck of dust in his. And the guy with the plank is trying to fish the speck of dust out of the other guy's eye. For all we know, that guy may have never even had a speck of dust in his. It could be the reflection of the plank sticking out of his eye. Um, so what I want us to do is reflection. Reflection. We're easy at pointing out everything that's wrong with everything in the world. Reflection is hard. Everyone can see the mistakes Bojo's made in the lockdown. But how many of us have made mistakes in the lockdown? I remember week four, my mate pulled up in his car just to say hi. Habits die hard. I opened the door and sat in it. And then I sat in it and we both looked at everyone and went, what have I done? I've just broken the rules. 
Do you know what I mean? I mean, that was an accident, I'll be real. That was an accident. I was just so used to him pulling up and me just jumping in. But he was only just waving and he was like, uh, we've just kind of broken the lockdown. You know what I mean? But some of us, let's be real, some of us have broken those rules without like even caring anyway. Let's just be real about it. Uh, I'm not saying he should get away. He definitely shouldn't. But I'm just saying, like, let's have a moment of reflection and repentance. Second one, read the Bible. Now, if you pick 10 minutes, for example, I would suggest when you read the Bible, read it for five of those 10 minutes. Five of those 10 minutes. The other five, I suggest some questions. I'm going to give you some questions I like to ask when I'm reading the Bible. You don't have to choose these questions. Use your own. But uh, mine are, who is saying this? Who is this intended for? Why are they saying this? Why has this lasted the test of time? Why was this handed down through generations? What's the context, the culture, the history, the background? How did this end up with me? And then I do a other thing where sometimes if it's a story rather than just an idea, I, I, I see me as the hero, but then I spend more time seeing me as the villain. Because it's too easy as a Christian to read the story as you're the hero in the story rather than you're the problem in the story. Because more often than not, without the reflection, sometimes we never see ourselves as a problem and everyone's a problem. But actually when I see myself as a problem, it gives me the chance for the most growth because I start challenging the areas in my life that aren't right. If I don't do that, I don't grow. I just stay comfortable with Andy being a waste man. And that's not a great thing for anyone. So that's it. So reflection, repentance, read the Bible, prayer. Maybe take a Google some prayers that are in the Bible and pray along with some Bible prayers that have already been written. Like one of my favorite prayers this, re- this year hasn't really been, well, last year and this year hasn't really been my prayer. It's been literally Paul's. I've just been, I've been talking to God about enlighten the eyes of my heart and strengthen me in the inner man. Two things that Paul says. And that's it. I spend my time. Sometimes I say that again and again and again because I want to see different in my environment. I want to see the edges. I don't want to see what I see. I want to see what God sees. Enlighten the eyes of my heart that I can see this kid, how you see him. Because the way I see him, I want to baptize him and not let him back up, Lord. Like that's how I feel about it at work sometimes. But when I see him as you see him, I see him as someone you died for. It changes things in me. And then I pray that God strengthens me in the inner man. I, I steal a prayer of someone else in the Bible. Speak for a set time, listen for a set time. So if you're taking 10 minutes as your daily thing, Silas, mate, sometimes you've got to listen in prayer, not just talk in prayer. Do you understand? You're talking too much, mate. Shush. Yeah, you know. Don't mess with daddy. Take that. So, take five minutes to pray, five minutes to listen. And then maybe pray for someone you know. It's so easy to take our time for prayer, listing all our, our stuff. Just pray about someone else. And maybe pick someone you don't know anything about their story right now. You don't even know what's going on in their life. Just start praying some good thing over them. The next one's going to be really popular. You guys are going to love this. Because actually this doesn't fall into a 10 minute slot or whatever. Fast. No one wants to fast. No one wants to fast. Everyone wants to edit their fast. Jodie cusses out my fast because I still have coffee with milk in it. And so she thinks I'm not legit. Like every time I do it, she's like, you've got to ditch that milk. And I'm like, I can't drink coffee without milk. That's just not me. But I fast once a week at the moment and I pick three things to fast for. So I've got my number one thing I'm fasting for that isn't even mine. It's Jodie's thing that she, she's been talking, we've been talking about. I fast for that first. Secondly, I, I pick something, because I City Hill, I pick something about City Hill that I fast for. And then third thing I pick, changes. So I see something in my environment around me like a friend or a kid that I'm working with and I'll fast over that. And that will change every week. But the other two don't change, they stay the same. 
and I do that every single week. I play football while I'm fasting. I don't duck out. I still play with the kids. Every now and then I have to call one of my other, one of my staff that I manage and just be like, I'm about to pass out, bro. <laughs> you can play. I'm, I'm, I'm off the pitch right now and I'll substitute, but I'll go back and I'll play again later. The next one, if you haven't read it, we give out this book to everyone who comes fills out a connect card. Like, you can read this on the toilet. It's so short. Like, I'm not... Like, if you are constipated for one day, this book can release you into freedom in Christ Jesus. So this book, it's got it written here, that the ear, Shema, and it goes to the eye, because you are what you hear. Shema is Hebrew for here. It's the greatest commandment that Jesus talks about. It appears in Deuteronomy. I want to encourage you for 10 minutes on one of these sessions to... It says, Hero... Israel, the Lord your God is one. You're to love him with all your heart. And it goes on to list ways to express it. It talks about creating um, a sign for your gate as you leave uh, and for your house as you come in. So the idea being that you have a visual aid that reminds you as you leave, you're going into the mission of loving God and loving others. I really encourage you to do that and setting up a rhythm for that. Worship. Worship. Have a time of just like in God's presence, just kind of singing some of the songs. Sometimes you could just Go to the um, Spotify. If you haven't got a playlist, just grab the latest City Hill one from the hymnal. That's there, ready made. Um, Seek God. Now, Seek God is a weird one, man. I I say that. I used to do that most when I was probably 17 to 19. I was so excited that Jesus had forgiven me of my sins and the madness that I'd done in my life. I was so relieved that he'd been gracious and good to me that I used to spend um, hours and hours, and I mean hours, but obviously at that age, you're at home with your parents, so you're just in my bedroom. And I would say, God, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. I'm so grateful you've forgiven me. I'm so grateful you love me. What do you want me to do with my life? I want to seek you. I want to find you. I want to find you not just for today. I want, you to f- I want to find you for where I'm going because I want to go where you're going. I want to be close to you. I want to know you. So I would pray things like that and I'd have mad conversations, but I'd come back around to it. God, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to see where you are. The next one is after seek God, wait on God. That's a, such a boring thing to do. Such a boring thing to do. And it goes outside of your 10 minutes. You pray about something and then you just wait. No one likes that one. But you know what? I tell you what, discipleship is exactly that. So often the disciples are waiting on Jesus. Where are we going? What are we going to do? What are we going to do next? And he gives them instruction and reveals things. And now we move into, don't worry, I know those preachers that go like, I'm going to end soon. And then they just go, and now is the main topic. That was just the introduction. That's the habit we have to build so that we ever receive any of these things and flow in them. So Andre and I met up this week. We were talking about City Hills values. And um, we had a really interesting discussion. So shine is the abstract. And then invite and give are the, are the main two that are just like a mechanism of what you actually do. And, and that's so true. But the great thing about shine is the way I see shine is I see it ultimately as the thing in your life where you don't, sometimes you intentionally position the light in your life for others to see, but actually the real thing should be that if we have real discipleship, real systems of connecting with God and cultivating it, having the habits that create habitation for God's presence, all of a sudden that's when you'll start hearing God speak to you and calling you to say things to people that bring about insane situations. So for me, when I think about shine, I think one of the best moments of shine in my life was as a teenager. I was about 17 years of age. I was just about to go to Bible college. I was on holiday with my best mate and my parents. And we were out going clubbing in the Playa de Americas. And I had been spending time in God's presence before I went out clubbing. 
My mate thought I was a weirdo, but that's me. I am a weirdo. I'll take that all day. And I've been spending time in his presence, and I felt fired up for this one, man. I'll never forget it. There was this girl there, and we were dancing, we were hanging out, and everyone, she kind of like tried to eat my face. My mates were like cussing me out, uh, calling me, uh, like saying you've been talking about stuff about God. I was so embarrassed. I remember going to the bar, grabbing a beer on my own, feeling humiliated because my mates were just cussing me, saying I was a waste man and stuff. And then as I'm at the bar, I'm having this beer, and I'm like, oh yeah, she's finally gone. Thank God she's left the place, and now I can go enjoy myself. I go to get up, and as I go to get up, I've been spending time in God's presence. I hear him say to me, leave. I'm like, I've just bought a pint, God. I'm not leaving my pint behind. God says, leave. So I'm like, oh, oh, leave my pint. I walk outside. As I walk outside, this doesn't happen to me very often, but Holy Spirit sat and I've kicked in. Just said, walk down the streets. So I'm walking down this street. These guys are like all around partying, getting loud and rowdy. People are barging into me. I hear God say to me, turn left. So I turn left down some next alleyway, tiny little street, loads of clubs and bars. I'm turning left. I'm walking down here. I feel the Holy Spirit say, stop. So I just stop in the middle of a load of nightclubs. Everyone's pushing past, people barging, people going, what are you looking at? What are you standing there for? All this. And I'm just zoning it all out, just standing still, waiting on God. And then I can hear someone crying for help. And as I'm looking around where I've stopped, I see a tiny alleyway there. And the girl that was leeching me when we were in there and my mates and was all over the place and completely off her face, she's crying out for help. And this person is trying to take her down this alleyway and they're trying to do something that's not right and I just feel the presence of God come over me and I just walked over I grabbed it by the hand and like I'm thin and I'm a slight guy but back then man I needed an anchor when the wind blew in London like I was like a leaf tossed in the wind like I was just gone like if it was a windy day like I'd be like Lord Jesus don't let my feet leave the ground and so this guy's huge shredded guy I've grabbed her arm he's looked at me and he's run away and I don't know what he saw, but he clearly wasn't seeing what was really in front of him. But he legged it. I'll never forget that moment because my mate then comes around the corner. He's like, I've been looking for you and he's with her friend because they lost her. I dressed in all white on that holiday. That was how I rolled then. I had white long top, sleeves top, white tracksuit bottoms, white trainers, a white nightcap. And my mate to mug me off decided he'd wear a white vest, white tracksuit bottoms and white trainers. So we've both gone out all dressed in white. As we've taken this girl back home to our hotel, I've just preached to her the gospel. She's given her life to Jesus. We sat on the beach before we've taken her back, start praying for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A drunk person getting filled with the Holy Spirit, guys, is the weirdest thing you will ever see in your life. i tell you that now. She's like, she was all over the place. Now she's really all over the place. Go back to the hotel, leave her outside. She looks at me up and down, looks at my mate Mark up and down, and she goes, are you two angels? And I remember just going like, yeah, I guess we are. And then we flew home with my parents. So what happens when you get in the habit of building that time of just word, prayer, fasting, these seasons, these different things, is God starts to chip away at you to the point where you'll sacrifice a beer in a pub, not something I'll normally do. I'm not leaving that beer for no one. But I left that beer because I felt God's presence tell me and I've been building that time where I was a temple for his presence. I've been putting in that time, creating that space and that discipline. And I want to encourage us that when it comes to our values, I want shine to be the one that isn't just the one where you think intelligently. Think intelligently, please do, for your week and your strategy for where you can allow God to position himself best in your life. But ultimately, above all things, that the Holy Spirit, we create habits in our lives that create habitation where he's not kicked out of our life, not where he's on the edges of our life, not where it's like, Holy Spirit, I want you to take up habitation in my life, but we say, Lord, I want you to be king. I want you to be enthroned. I don't want you to just live in my life. I want you to be in charge of my life. I want you to run things in my life. I want you to call the shots. God, 
I've had aspirations of being in charge. But right now, God, I'm ready to be the shop boy. I'll be shop boy for you. You tell me to go shop, I'll go shop. You tell me to go here, I'll go here. Because we've created those habits that allow that space. And then lastly, we have invite and, and, and give. I want us to be people that invite others into our lives. Inviting people to church is a great thing, but inviting people to Jesus is the best thing. And people who give of ourselves. And we have the opportunity now through the, uh, it's a process and we're learning, but through the jobs board that we have available on the CEO app and on our website, that you can scroll down there and see, oh, we need people for hosting. Oh, we'd love some people to create kids resources for us to use at home. Oh, we'd love these things. And we'll post things all the time, adding new different ways that each one of us can play a part in his kingdom. That's it for today. And I'm going to pray a prayer for us quickly. Father God, I thank you for discipleship. I thank you that you love us. I thank you, God, that sometimes it's plain sailing and it's amazing and we just feel energized by you. But God, when I look back at my life, I think the most precious moments have been the times when you've opposed me, the times when you've rubbed up against me, the times when you've gone, Andrew, you just cannot carry on being the person that you are. And you took the time to love me enough to change me. The same way sometimes parents that are older than us, as we have conversations with them, They're frightened by the crazy ideas that we have because they know the pain and the struggle lies ahead as they've had those experiences themselves. I thank you, God, that you're a good father. You don't withhold anything from us, that you have only good gifts for us. But Father, I do pray, Lord, that we would no longer be people who just want you to take up habitation in our space, but we'll allow you to be king in our space. We'll allow you to be the teacher in our space. Father, it's not that any one of us lords it over another. But you said you were sending the Holy Spirit to guide us in all truth. You said you were sending a comforter and one who would convict us. We ask, Lord, that as we allow the Holy Spirit time this week, whether it's 10 minutes each day, five minutes each day, two minutes, whatever that is, as we do the different expressions, maybe not the ones I've listed, we've done our own or whatever we want to fill in those spaces. I just pray, Lord, that you would come and that we would have the rough with the smooth. We would allow you to bless us and have a great time, but also allow you to challenge and shape us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are the light. We are the light. We are the light.